0: but Derek Piper makes his return to State Farm Center, leading Illinois. No, but Illinois, huge victory, shorthanded. It is by far the best win of the year, despite kind of just hanging on by a thread at the very end. 56-55 to 55 over number 10 Michigan State. There is the marquee win, and you do it without Kofi Coburn. You do it without Andre Corbello. Curbelo in health and safety protocols, we'll get into that. Kofi Coburn still in the concussion protocol, but Derek Piper... Um, There's a lot of things we got to get into. Illinois a little fortunate at the end to hold on to this victory given some of the misses Michigan State had wide open from three, a 40% three-point shooting team, shoots three for 14, um, missed free throws at the end or missed free throw at the end by Malik Hall. Illinois misses free throws at the end. So many opportunities uh, that this could have gone the other way. But Illinois just finds a way to get a victory and what a huge massive victory and they put themselves in position based on how they played in the first 30 minutes. The net rankings don't care about style points or
1: aesthetically pleasing or anything like that and Illinois needed a really, I know the Iowa win is a, a nice win, a quad one win, they're only one going into this game so uh, and you think about the Big Ten title chase because the winner of this one was going to come out and be in sole possession of first place so for Illinois to get that without Kofi without Curbelo is pretty amazing by the way that Michigan State was playing coming into this game. Now we can talk about maybe some of their shortcomings and just kind of as you handicap the the top of the Big Ten maybe towards the end of the podcast we can discuss that but it was just one of those gritty gutsy efforts where you had to bring the intensity defensively you had to keep them out of transition which for the most part they were able to do and uh, you had to have Michigan State miss shots because they're number nine or number eight in the country in three-point shooting and they were horrible shooting the three tonight and You needed Trent Frazier to really take into the role of, I got to do a lot and put a lot on my shoulders. He was guarding Max Christie, who didn't do a whole lot. And then offensively, he was great, again, with the floor game, with making buckets. And I know he was two for 10 from three, but I just thought he was really, really good once again. And we'll we'll talk about Luke Goody and and his importance, but that's what it takes. And and this is a league that you kind of have the back and forth, and uh, it's tough to win on the road in Illinois to win a Big Ten title needs to hold serve at home and they're able to do that.
0: Yeah, if you thought of a way that Illinois had to win this game, like how could they win this game? It's make a bunch of threes, stop them from making threes. And that's what happened. Illinois nine of 29, that's not very efficient. But you had to. You had to jack up threes. This team's just not, without Kofi Coburn, without Andrew Crabello, able to get those easy buckets. Uh, and Michigan State held the 3 of 14. Now, they missed some open shots in the second half. Uh, but in the first half, you forced them into a bunch of tough twos, Derek. First half, Michigan State has been a terrible with turnovers all year. They're, they're the worst in the Big Ten in turnover rate. But usually their offensive rebounds make up for it, their defense, their efficiency, shooting the ball. But tonight, nine turnovers in the first half, Illinois scored 15 points off those. That was massive for Illinois. But Michigan State out-rebounds Illinois 41-27. Uh, Illinois drew even with them with, with points in the paint, but uh, Michigan State really dominated in the paint, on the glass, and they you knew they were gonna make a big run at the end, in the second half at some point illinois couldn't run any offense but they find a way to get the stops when they need them and they get a little fortunate right let's let's be honest they got fortunate with some of those things with michigan state but you don't apologize for them because you gave yourself a chance and somehow you held on if that goes overtime, time lee call makes those two free throws at the end i didn't like illinois's chances but uh you got a break and just how big of a massive win is this derek like you think about long term we'll talk about this but the way they needed to win, they came out. And it was a huge response to Maryland where Brad Underwood's questioning their fight, right? They brought the fight tonight. Michigan State came back because they're a heavyweight and they, they uh, you know staggered Illinois. And Illinois held on just long enough in that 12th round uh, to, to kind of win by the card here.
1: Yeah, you can talk a lot about next man up and, and trying to just get through what Illinois is going through. It, you, you lose this game and you, you drop – you know, three games in the Big Ten, you're a game and a half, I think, uh, out in the Big Ten title chase, you'd start to really maybe feel bad for yourself and question how things are going or if things are going to come together for you this season. And uh, it was a chance when you look at in February and the road games you've got to play, you got to play at Michigan State, you got to play at Michigan, you got to play at Indiana and Purdue. And, and this was a big chance to to right the ship. And it said a lot about the veterans. It said a lot, a lot about the culture. And, yeah, this was one of those you know, maybe late 2000s Bruce Weber versus Tom Ezzo rock fights that aren't super, you know, fun to watch. I mean, it was a great, it was a battle. It was a Big Ten battle, old school rock fight, whatever you want to call it. And no found a way to get it done. I, I mean, closing time in the last five and a half minutes where you don't score, that's you're fortunate there. You're, you're definitely fortunate. But I think, big picture, what does it mean? Uh, it means a lot in the in the title chase it means a lot being a quad one win now is michigan state going to be top 10 top 15 in the country at the end of the year i don't think so uh, i think that they miss the fact that they don't have a bona fide star or a go-to player like christie's their guy but he's he's inconsistent up and down as a freshman uh, their offense when you make them play in the half court is not very good um so illinois defensively their coach was demanding a lot better out of them they gave that they got some decent minutes out of their bigs like for bbb and Payne to to be that serviceable tonight that a lot uh, against bingham and and the rotation that michigan state has so all in all you just you're very pleased with that one i know brad was
0: yeah i got some thoughts about the big 10 title race in michigan state and how they stack up a little bit later before we get to the luke goody five minute segment of just praising him and, and thinking what he's going to be uh, not only the rest of the season but in his career i do want to shout out benjamin bossman's verdonk and omar payne i thought those guys were massive. They did not replace Kofi, right? They combined for 15 points and six rebounds. Omar Payne had two blocks. They also combined for eight fouls, which helped Michigan State get a lot of foul shots in the second half because Illinois was in the double bon- or Michigan State was in the bonus with 15 minutes left in the second half. But those guys battled, man. I, I think Bosman's Verdonk gave you some really quality minutes. He battled Bingham. Uh, and Bingham has turned into a really good all-around player for Michigan State, but he bothered him, forced him into tough shots. I thought, you know, Payne had a few huge blocks, but more importantly, some huge offense, right? You know, back-to-back buckets that kind of held off, a Michigan State run in the first half, uh, and then a big one in the second half of an and one as Michigan State was making a run as well. And then a couple blocks, I mean, we know he can make an impact at the rim. Still get some stupid fouls every once in a while, but... I thought for 35 minutes those guys helped you battle uh, with Bingham and in just a much better Michigan State front court with Kofi Coburn not there. So kudos to those guys. Those guys are going to get some uh, high grades from me and my player grades.
1: Yeah, I'll be honest, sitting courtside, seeing the ball go into BBV the first time for a post-up against Bingham, I was like, oh, no, this is, this is a really bad idea, and he, he banks one in. And there were a couple of times where I thought, especially late, Illinois wasn't making the smart play by throwing it inside to, to Bossman, but to go four for seven from the field and uh, eight eight points, three rebounds, just the way that he battled. And then Payne Payne was a plus nine in the plus mi- plus minus uh, to get two blocks, to be able to catch a lob, and uh, it was more confidence. And he made, like Brad said, a, a post move, which we really haven't seen all season. Uh, Bingham took over, I think, in the second half. He had a really good second half. He was plus nineteen and plus minus. So him not being on the floor for those other 20, 22 minutes when, when he was off, that was bad news for, for Michigan State. But, I mean, those aren't guys that we've talked a whole lot about uh, this season. And, and to be out in, a, I guess, a top-10 team without Kofi, like just to to bring what they brought was was a big deal.
0: I don't know if I'm going to go as far as, as Brad Underwood saying this guy's going to score 1,500 points in his career because only 13 other line have done that, including Trent Frazier, who's now number nine. All time he passed up Mark Smith, uh, the 77 to 81 version of Mark Smith, and uh, Brandon Paul tonight. So we know he's got five years to do this, but still a heck of an accomplishment for, for Trent Frazier, who's playing like an all big 10 player. I, I think he's got to be a lock for a third team at the very least. Second team, I, I would probably put him in right now, given what he's meant to this team with Corbell out, Coburn out so much. But Luke Goody, man, nine points tonight. That's a season high, three of four from three. Uh, and that, those were huge shots, right? They needed some offense. Jacob Grandison was struggling. I thought Michigan State did a fantastic job on Alfonso Plummer. Just deny him, right? Alfonso struggles to get space, uh, and they were overplaying him. They are overplaying, uh, overplaying Frazier. And you can do that when Kofi Coburn's not on the court. Um, but I thought Luke Goody's shots were big. But just his energy he was so active, Derek, on defense. Four rebounds were huge as well. He's a better rebounder right now than Jacob Grandison. Jim Grandison's really struggling shooting the ball right now. So Luka is going to be in that role next year, and I don't think you're going to miss it. like Not to say anything bad about Jacob Grandison, who's been great this year, but uh, Goody comes up big in this one against the other team that recruited him really hard from the Big Ten. Uh, just a, a huge performance from a kid who's always ready, Derek. A kid who's tough. And a kid who's always looking to shoot. Some of those guys in the second half didn't look ready to shoot uh, in the second half, didn't want to shoot. Uh, What a performance by the freshman. And I've kind of said I'd like to see him get a little bit of Grandison's minutes as some of these uh, struggles have happened, not to bench Grandison or anything here because he's really important for the team. Luke Goody's earning, I think, more here with this team, especially what he does rebounding-wise and just how solid he is as a true freshman.
1: There's not a lot of guys who go a month and only having made one shot, and then come into a night like this and, and be able to step up and have that confidence. And uh, he made some good looks and, and ma- buried the first two. And then when he does the pump fake, step back three, and, and you know that he's he, he's not blinking an eye. He's not batting an eye that's a top-10 team and that he's a freshman and he doesn't have experience. And uh, it, it says a lot about him. And I know that if you would have looked at high school and some of the knocks on him might have been – his athleticism and his body, and, and Tom Izzo even brought that up. I know that Michigan State ultimately offered, and uh, but you wouldn't think that as a freshman he'd be able to play in a physical game against Michigan State. And the, his energy and the fact that he has gotten stronger, uh, he is very extremely active on the glass, and Illinois is just a better te- team with him on the floor. And I think that you know Brad addressed it in post game that he needs to get more of those minutes, whether it is for Grandison stealing a little bit from him or for Coleman who. Uh, I know that you've got to see it maybe for a longer stretch of time but coleman's still inconsistent and i think that there is maybe an opportunity for goody to pass him up at the four spot so uh, this is a guy that we've talked about at different points in the year when he's shown these flashes what he can ultimately be i think he has a chance to be a higher ceiling like we talked about matt McQuaid. i think he has a higher ceiling than that he can be a a marquee player as an upperclassman on this team and but in the meantime like If he can build on this, how valuable that would be off the bench as a shot maker and energy guy and uh, just someone that Brent Underwood has trusted from day one of this season, that's really, really important.
0: This episode is brought to you by
1: Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds.
0: I want to bring up this big point, Derek, and that is I I asked Tom Izzo about Luke Goody, um, why he liked him, and I was thinking this during the game as, as he was playing in the first half. He reminds me of a Michigan State player, role player, in the most positive way. It's just a guy who's solid in what he does, a good culture guy, and then eventually he becomes an upperclassman like Malik Hall and Gabe Brown and plays his best basketball. It's just development. Good player, does good things for his team. And, um, you know, we, we mentioned Matt McQuaid so many times with him, but it, it feels like he can be even better than that. I agree with you. But that's the kind of player that has won so many games for, for Tom Izzo. And Brad Underwood has now beaten Michigan State for Goody and now Ty Rogers. Illinois, the last three and a half years or three years here, is playing like Michigan State in the Big 10, right? Like they, they are starting to mirror what a Michigan State program is, which is what is the greatness of Tom Izzo? It's every year they have a chance. Every year they're getting a bite at the apple to win a Big 10 championship or to make a deep run in the tournament. They just get to the tournament so many times, they have this culture, and Brad Underwood called this a culture win, that you make these runs and you have disappointments in the tournament, but then you follow them up with surprise runs in the tournament that's the epitome and brad underwood said tonight like that's what he wants his program to be it's slowly starting to mirror what a tom izzo program is which is like the biggest compliment i think brad underwood can get
1: yeah that's super well said i know that michigan state had the national title in, in 2000 but really outside of that and i know i'm not discrediting that but the point is like early to mid 2000s these two programs could look each other in the face and they were pretty on a fairly even level and a lot of great battles. And we're in the Big Ten title chase just about every year, if not every year. And now Illinois is back into that realm. and I mean, they're going to have to advance farther into the tournament to to ultimately be considered on the Michigan State level. But, uh, yeah, I think that the cultures are are very similar, what they're looking for. And, yeah, I mean, Goody as a guy that's a low ego, chip on his shoulder, uh, willing to, you know, learn behind some veteran guys. I mean, that's kind of been Michigan State's makeup, too. They're not a a one-and-done program. They've got older teams that are physical and uh, just progress and develop players. So, uh, Luke Goody is a guy like that. And to win recruitments against – I mean, the Ty Rogers one, I saw that – I saw Tim Anderson shake with Tom Izzo in the pregame. And there wasn't a lot of words exchanged. And I don't even know if Tim actually said anything. But that one had to feel good for him knowing that they stole a player out of the state that Tom really, really wanted and reminds you of, uh, that's another one, just like Luke, of he looks like a Michigan State player. And that says a lot about Illinois, to be able to win a battle like that, and, and then to compete with them in the Big Ten like they are.
0: Yeah, I asked Brad Underwood, do you like feel even better when you beat Tom? Is it well, given the respect he has for him, like the, the, the program he's had? And he didn't say yes, I, 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 I can almost guarantee I assume that he does because that that's a huge win over that kind of program for Goody. And then to do it with Ty Rogers, uh, I think is huge. But Derek, this does say a lot about Brad Underwood and his staff to get his team to respond like that. But Brad gave a lot of credit to his players. And I assume it's Trent Fraser to Monte Williams and, but also just the culture they've built in that we respond, right? Like we we don't let these losing streaks happen. I mean, Illinois didn't have a losing streak last year, right? They didn't have three losses in a row at any point last season. So I I think it says a lot about the program Brad's built and obviously the senior leaders on this team. I mean, to have Demonte Williams didn't put up big stats, but he held Gabe Brown in check. When when Gabe Brown wasn't in transition, nothing came easy uh, for him tonight. So I want to give Demonte Williams some, some credit for that. It says a lot about this program, right, that you're able to respond that way given the circumstances that maybe the best player in the country at least one of the top 5 players in the country is not there kerbel out again new health and safety protocols we'll get into that here in a second that's that's just what a response what what toughness that is from this team
1: yeah absolutely and i know that illinois has to adjust to their circumstances cuz that's the the, the the spot they're in and, and you can't really predict all these things and you got to adapt but it, you look around the league, and if you would to take, take Ivy off Purdue for a stretch of time or take Johnny Davis off of Wisconsin or whatever the, the case may be or the argument, it would be really hard for those teams to win, even if this game was ugly, even if there's still um, some questions about holding water or, or treading water without those guys, I should say. Um, yeah, it's just... This is a really tough team. It's a veteran team. Uh, Trent Fraser has won a lot of freaking games, man. I mean, for the first two years and how tough those those stretches were, he has won a lot of games. Uh, the same can be said about Demonte, and it's passed down. You just see the way that like Luke has has bought in and followed their their lead. Um, so this was really a culture win. It was really a, a test of guts and and how much. How much fight you have and, and Brad bought the the boxing gloves into the film yesterday, and we know that there's a lot of jokes of you know uh, even aszo said yesterday we got to block and tackle Kofi I mean this is this is the brand of basketball that these two teams play against each other and Illinois outplayed out efforted and uh, they brought the toughness to beat Michigan state
0: I'm just thinking if Indiana didn't have Trace Jackson Davis for two big ten games uh, I don't think they'd be five and four right if Ohio State didn't have E.J. Liddell for two Big Ten games. Um, now, maybe they can win those games, but Johnny Davis on Wisconsin, we know how important he's been. Um, I think Michigan State could survive without some of their guys just because they're so deep, but it's a heck of a testament to Illinois that they're 14-5, and 7-2 and two in the Big Ten. No matter what their schedule has been so far, Derek, it, just like Michigan State, these two have had – Pretty easy schedules here early. It really toughens up for them down the stretch. And in, in Illinois, you're starting to see that now. While Ohio State, they're kind of on the decline of their schedule where their schedule gets a little easier into February and March. It says a ton about this program, a ton about these guys, and a ton about the roster Brad Underwood is, is recruited to be able to have 11 games without a guy that was a preseason All-American and, and to do this. And, and now, what, five games without Kofi Coburn? this is really impressive stuff. Like th- this is really impressive that Illinois has a record that we probably would have thought was similar to what we would have predicted at full strength. Like that is really impressive by these guys.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And we talked a ton about being able to continue the success of that aisle last year. That said a lot about that team and being able to adapt and adjust and win on the road at Wisconsin and win uh, at Michigan and, and just – be able to do what they did and, and didn't uh, hit a snag, and this year to have to go through everything they've gone through. Where I'd, it was a a very you know a- adequate question to Trent, like, do you have any part of your body that doesn't hurt? That was asked. I think Rob McCauley asked that uh, after the game, and, and he kind of he laughed it off or whatever. I think he said no. But uh, that that is kind of where Illinois is at, and so to, for him to just continue to play at such an outstanding level and to be able to just still be at the top of the Big Ten. I mean, the conversations we were having after, oh, man, the missed opportunity against Purdue, and then going at Maryland when Purdue lost another one, and just kind of where you're at, this team maybe doesn't have a signature win. Well, you win this game, and you're sitting in first place in the Big Ten. Like, that's, that's pretty darn amazing. And just, I know it's a, it's a continually updated stat, but you're like 21-3 and in your last 24 games against Big Ten teams. Like, that that's just crazy.
0: Yeah, uh, it's it's pretty impressive. Um, I do want to mention Kofi Coburn was in the arena. That's at least a positive sign that you know some guys who have concussions have to sit in a dark room for a while. So we don't know when he's going to come back. Uh, Andre Curbella. Brad Underwood said after the Maryland game, he had a fever. And there's a flu that's been going around the team. Coleman Hawkins apparently had it last week. Um, we don't know many details of when, what happened. Um, you hear little rumors or whatever, but all we can tell you is Illinois is not going to give us clear updates on Andre Carbello's status due to privacy concerns for student athletes, but he's in health and safety protocols. That would probably suggest he's come down with the virus that is going through the country right now. Right? So um, don't know how long he will be out. Don't know the timing of all these things happening. Uh, Illinois does test when these guys have symptoms, some tests come back and then you get another test, right? So that's all we can assume from all of this. We don't know what is actually happening, but I think a lot of people can infer what did happen. And Brad Underwood was asked by Joey Wagner, are you concerned about you know, this going through the team? He said their masks, plus you've had 10 guys on the team already have it, so their immunity should be built up uh, pretty well here. So don't know when Andre Corbell will be back but you hope Kofi Coburn can come back because obviously you missed him tonight, Derek. Rebounding-wise, you've been crushed the last couple games. Um, and just getting an easy bucket, whether it's a putback, whether it's an easy dunk, or getting to the free-throw line. Illinois had seven free-throw attempts. They missed you know, four of them, and they missed a lot of front ends on a lot of those as well, so missed opportunities there. But that's one underrated thing about Kofi is just getting easy buckets throughout the course of the game that just add up. And a lot of those actually come from the free-throw line.
1: Yeah, definitely. And you also look at you're not going to win a lot of games when you're, what is it, minus 14 on the glass. I mean, that's fortunate to be able to withstand that and still win this game. But Kofi takes that away from a lot of teams, obviously getting second chance opportunities in addition to the free throws. But uh, if you miss from three, Kofi can catch one. He's three feet away from the basket, and be able to put it in. You can go through, run your offense through him. And uh, for a guy like Plummer, who I I know is probably waiting for Kofi to come back more than anybody, to attract the attention inside to let a shooter like that get some open looks. So uh, certainly it, it's hard because with Curbelo, I think it reminded a lot of people, not that we haven't seen it in sports where concussions vary from person to person or just the severity or just the reactions. Uh, it's really hard to predict. We don't, we don't know for sure when Kofi's gonna be back. It's all about how he responds and gets through the process. Uh, and hopefully that is sooner rather than later than with Curbelo. You hope that that's not something that triggers within the program. I know the coaches didn't get it when they had the COVID pause earlier this month. You hope that that's something that doesn't come to, you know, come to as a as an issue. So uh, I don't know, and you, you feel really bad for Carballo uh, to fight back for two two months to finally have that game against Purdue and not to be feeling well and it ultimately be COVID. It's just a guy that's been through a lot. So. Uh, hopefully we see him sooner rather than later.
0: Yeah, man, just, just a tough year for Andre Cabello, and I can't imagine you know, the mental side of this for him. I mean, the physical he's obviously had to deal with, but, but the mental side of it has to be just as tough for him. I want to bring up Michigan State because it's a really deep team, Derek. They play hard. There's some good veterans on this team. My one question about them throughout the season is, who's the guy they can go to, right? Because, like, you know on Illinois – whether it's Trent Frazier or Andre Curbelo, Alfonso Plummer at times, if you if can set up a play for him, but, you know, Kofi Coburn, obviously. You have a guy you can go to and try to get a bucket or, or try to lift your team. This is really a sum of their parts. The one guy that is potentially great is Max Christie. He's not quite there yet, right? He's not the lottery pick some people projected him to be. But he's a really good player. He's been playing pretty well. Until tonight, where, where Illinois was really able to bother him. Trent Frazier was on him for most of the night. And while Max Christie is taller and probably you know weighs more, Trent Frazier's got that old man strength. He's quick. He's just 23-year-old going up against an 18-year-old. Uh, they shut him down, one for eight, two points. That's why even though Trent Frazier didn't have an efficient offensive night, he's going to get five stars from me tonight because of what he did to Max Christie. Is a good team. There's a really good Michigan State team. I think it's going to be in the Big Ten title race until the end, just because it's Izzo. They do what they do really well. I just got that question if they have that guy who can take them over the top, right? Like, but some of the Izzo teams that have lacked that in the past make these final four runs. So maybe like Izzo's the ultimate wild card here, right? Because this is a talented team, but just doesn't have that guy right now. That, you know, Tyson Walker's taking the shot at the end to try and tie it that guy doesn't scare me, right? Like if Max Christie can reach that level, then all of a sudden I think this Michigan State team goes to another level. Yeah,
1: absolutely. There's no Cassius that you're worrying about the ball in his hands at the end of the game. Uh, Even last year, Aaron Henry was one that could go get you one. That was what really was noticeable when the game was in the crunch time moments and it was in the half court and Michigan State had to run something or, or put the ball in someone's hands to go make a play. And the fact that it was Tyson Walker, I think Max Christie's a great Catch and shoot guy. When when he has a little bit of of space to to get his shot off and and let it go, I know that he was off tonight, even on good looks. But uh, he's not someone that off the dribble is going to kill you. Yet. I think that's something that still has to develop within his game. And he's just kind of been he's been very very good of late, but inconsistent on the season as a whole. And like uh, Gabe Brown's great in transition, but when it's Half-court game, like can he go make a play? That's a little bit more questionable. I mean, there's going to be nights where they make those threes, and it could have been tonight, and they would have won by double digits. Um, So they have over the course of the season shot 40% from three. Uh, They do need transition though. They need to play fast. They need to be able, and they're they have great, I mean, numbers defensively on the season, and great upside because all that length. Because Bingham's one of the top shot blockers in the Big Ten. If they can turn their defense into offense, that's when they're a lot more scary. So
0: Gabe Brown is terrifying in transition.
1: Yeah, him going above the rim. Christie can do it, too, also be a, a quick catch on the wing and shoot guy. Uh, they got mobile bigs, they got quick point guards. When they don't shoot themselves in the foot with turnovers, they got to try to figure that out. But I agree with the your point. I think their upside is more capped than, say, Illinois, than, say, Purdue. Yes. Um, there may be more in the realm of Wisconsin. Yes. You, you do like their depth, and you do like Izzo. Uh, but yeah, the, the fact they don't have that guy is, is kind of maybe one of their ultimate downfalls.
0: Right. If you're if you talking about Big Ten title, I mean, Michigan State and Wisconsin are going to be in this because they do what they do so well. They're so disciplined, so well coached. They they have this scheme and system that works time after time. Purdue is the team I'm taking in the NCAA tournament to go the farthest just because the talents, the the weapons they have. And I think no matter what team conference they're playing – they got matchup issues, right? Like, now, I got to see them play better defense. Like, they, they don't play defense well enough for me to pick them over even like a UCLA right now. I just think when I get into the tournament, I want a team that defends consistently. Otherwise, it's going to kill you in some night. Um, Ohio State's got talent. It just isn't going to mesh. Are those guards going to play well enough? I still think Illinois and Purdue are the best teams, at least when Illinois is healthy. But Michigan State and Wisconsin, I think, are going to stick in this race. I I think it's a clear top five, Derek, right? Like, Indiana, Rutgers, Iowa uh, are, are tough outs. I do think Michigan can rise into that top five if that talent, if Houston and Diabate continue to play the way they are. Got questions about their guards, but they're front court with Dickinson right now. Is playing really well it's just have they built too big of a deficit at this point and are they going to play enough games yeah. to win enough games to, to win the big 10 this year so um i think michigan is going to be in that top six i like them a little bit more in indiana moving forward but uh, i still think it's uh you know illinois and purdue are the, the highest ceiling teams still with high floors but michigan state and wisconsin i think you're gonna run for the money and we'll see what ohio state can do too
1: Yeah, you said it with Wisconsin and Michigan State doing what they do, and that being able, and also the fact of going to Kohl Center and going to Breslin are two really tough ways, you know, places to pull off wins. Uh, Definitely in terms of upside, it's Illinois and Purdue. Now, Purdue has to defend better. Ivy hasn't, I know in the game even against Illinois, and some here recently, hasn't played all the way up to his potential. Which is scary. Which is scary. (laughs) Yeah, it really is. Um, There's something to be said of, like, Edie. The, the, how much success he had against Kofi said a lot to me because I wondered how you know that guy who can just be so much bigger than everybody else, and he is <laughs> even bigger than Kofi uh, when he's matched in terms of that physicality. He's he's been impressive, and uh, but they, they have dropped some games where like at Indiana at Rutgers is uh, that that's something that's gonna potentially hurt them down the road. We'll see, but yeah, incidentally tournament upside, Big Ten title chase, they're still gonna be in it, and when it starts to play there. Um, there, there's a little bit of a gap when Illinois is at full strength and Purdue is is Purdue I think there's those two and yeah Michigan can be can be tough and can you know unseat Indiana who Indiana doesn't want on the road like they're they're yeah. tough in Bloomington but they don't want on the road uh, Ohio State still has some questions so uh, yeah I, I think that Michigan State Wisconsin they'll, they'll definitely be in it and I mean if they're if it's the last week and they're a game out or half game or whatever, it wouldn't be terribly surprising. But ultimate ceiling, it's, it's Illinois Purdue still.
0: I think there's a big game on Saturday, Derek. The good thing is you got, what, five days here until you play at Northwestern. So you hope Kofi can feel better. You can get through protocol. And you hope Andre Cabello can get through his protocol as well. It's amazing how much we've used that word protocol around here in the last year or so. Um, but Northwestern, man, they fight. Like, they, they don't – they're not efficient. Their guard play is not efficient whatsoever. But Boo-Booey and Chase Odige can go off uh, at some points. And they got skilled bigs with Pete Nance. Uh, you know, Ryan Young's played really well. So you feel better about the way Payne and embossmans Verdonk played after tonight. And I think Bossman's Verdonk has really just battled for you. So I think he can give you a battle if Kofi can't go. I think it's a really important game. Like, if you want to win Big Ten championships, you got to win games like tonight against Michigan State. They also got to take care of business against the lower teams on the road in the Big Ten. And Northwestern gets up to play, Illinois. Northwestern has given battles to a lot of good teams. They've lost six of seven there, but they lose to Michigan State by six. They lose to Penn State by four. They lose to Ohio State. They were up most of that second half. Lose to them by eight. Take Maryland into double overtime and what looked like the Illinois Rutgers classic from 2016. They give Wisconsin a run for their money, lose by six, and then Purdue clobbered them, but then they beat Michigan State too. Like, they give battles to teams, so I don't think Illinois should expect, and I don't think they will, to go into Northwestern and just dominate, even though I imagine the crowd will be mostly orange there.
1: If you can lose at Maryland in the way that you lost, you could you could lose at Northwestern, and it, like you said perfectly, like – they have been feisty, and there are nights where they're tough. And like they beat Michigan State in Breslin, that, that says a lot. That says a lot to me about uh, their ability to, you know, play up to. I mean, they got 17 offensive rebounds in that game, and maybe that is a night where Michigan State overlooks them. And Illinois has shown the potential not to maybe bring the fight, as Brad has said. You got to be able to string that out and do that consistently. If Illinois is lacking that, it wouldn't be surprising if Northwestern is is giving you problems. And I think that Pete Nance. Is, is a pretty darn good player. And could he outplay BBV and, and Omar Payne? Yeah, that could be a potential issue. Illinois should be able to handle business. And there is obviously the potential that Kofi would be back. And even I think you, you do the, the math of Curbelo and five days out, he could be back as well. But uh, if, it, if those break against you, uh, this is tougher than maybe you just say, OK, it's Northwestern. You just chalk up that win.
0: Well, Derek Piper, good to have you back, man. Uh, good to have you in the arena. And uh, boy three top ten games have really been great entertainment <laughs> finally one breaks Illinois' way but man state farm center crowds like sometimes they don't get the best games here because uh, non-conference hasn't been great here but Arizona comes to town and what a game that was Purdue last week I uh, didn't go Illinois' way but just uh, I think one of the best games we've seen here and then tonight it's Michigan State got a little too sweaty at the end but Illinois finds a way to win it's been a It's been a heck of a ride here this season.
1: Yeah, I mean, to bring the fans back, this is what you want. I mean, you you want these great games. You want uh, marquee matchups. And to see the number of fans, the the orange crust that were lined up outside in the the bitter cold for this one, I mean, that's that's what this is all about. That's what Big Ten basketball is about, and obviously what Illinois taken pride in for a long time. Uh, You're on ESPN. It's just the perfect setup with a lot to play for in terms of the quad one, in terms of the Big Ten title chase. And Illinois finally had one go your way. But yet, I mean, the, the Arizona game was awesome. I wasn't here for the Purdue game. I was very <laughs> envious and jealous sitting and watching in my quarantine room at home. Um, yeah, it, it's been a lot of fun. Still a lot of great battles here to come. But it's definitely great to be back. And uh, this building has been fun to be in, that's for sure.
0: I thought it was a defensive clinic by Illinois in the first half. and then. Uh, I want to say a championship contender's response in Michigan State, but uh, what a game, what a win for Illinois, 56-55. I uh, got some big games coming up, of, of course, Northwestern on the road. Then you host Wisconsin, another very important game atop of the Big Ten. Then you go on the road in the Hoosier State, Indiana, and Purdue. So a huge stretch ahead, going to be a lot of fun games to cover. For Derek Piper, I'm Jeremy Warner. Thank you for listening to the Illini Inquirer podcast. Give us a follow, a rating, a review wherever you get your podcasts, and check out Illini Joy Joey Wagner will have a story on the man of the night, the people's uh, champion tonight, Luke Goody, and uh, Derek Piper will have kind of a big takeaway on what this win means and all of the player grades as well. Thanks, as always, for listening to the Illini Inquirer podcast. Until next time, everybody take care of each other. Have a great day. We will chat to you next time on the Illini Inquirer podcast.